We call them super seniors, which is the seniors that just graduated and are going to college. Um, a few years back, we're supposed to go to Belize, but because of coronavirus, we had to cancel that trip. But a lot of people in our community supported those kids to go, and it just so happens they got to go this year with Ryan. Um, they had an amazing time. We made a little video so you guys can see just a little snippet of what you guys contributed to and their time there. It was really precious. If you see any of the high schoolers, there's two of them back there. If you see any of them, you can ask them how the trip was personally. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll talk to you soon. Everybody hurts sometimes, I know that's what they say But right now it seems this loneliness won't go away Can anybody feel this? Hello, you guys, I'm here with a little individual um, She is the number one Curler mm. You're what? Curler When we always want what's next, yeah Just when I can't take no more It's when I hear you say Don't hang your head when you get lonely service project for the church of Santa Rita and for this week we rebuilt the fence hide from the one who gave his life so I could get back mine yeah. so when you can't take no more look up and hear him say don't hang your head when you get lonely no I'll never leave your side There's nowhere I can hide from the one who gave his life so I could get back mine. Yeah. So when you can't take no more, look up and hear him say, Don't hang your head when you get. Well, we made a lot of progress today. As you can see, we dug these holes all across that fence there. It's gonna be about four feet on each side of the post. That's eight inches I met total. <laughs> Again, I was just continually impressed by the students that we had. Worked so hard. There were so many days where we were tired and sweaty after working in the morning and then we had to be on for the kids. Your mercy is new every morning. <laughs> oh wow.
favorite part was just seeing how our actions um, was able to affect the whole community of Corazal. Um, because just by running that VBS camp, we were able to reach the kids' parents as well. Um, there was a bunch of parents that came up to us afterwards um, to thank us for what we were doing. Um, and then there was another guy there who said that he was really touched by our actions and who wasn't a Christian before, but um, was thinking about it now. And so that was really valuable to me. And then how did you see God work in Belize? I saw God work through all of our team members. I think that God really provided confidence for us, which is funny because that's what we were talking about with the kids this week. But I think that God was able to let people push through their insecurities and push out of their comfort zone um, to really accomplish something really wonderful and um, just to really show God's love to these kids and the community around us. Cool. My favorite part was the church services that we attended um, on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday night. They were really cool to see the different culture um, of everyone worshiping our Lord and just seeing everyone just be so passionate about Him and love him and you can just tell their pure respect and love in the Lord and the way that they that he has just influenced all of their lives that he is the main um, center of their lives and how did you see God work in Belize I saw God work a lot through relationships this week um, whether it was relationships with the kids or um, the pastor at the church or just in our team in general um, we all had, we all just created such intense, deep relationships that we were able to see. And you could really see the impact at the end of the week when we had our last church service and all the kids brought their parents to meet us because they just had such a fun time. And you could just see the light glowing in their heart about the Lord and how it had just sparked a passion. So it was really insanely cool to see the Lord working through us to really impact them. I loved watching the pastor. His name's Abraham. Um, he's about 60 years old. He has been at that church for, what did he say, ever since 1980-something. So a really long time. Um, and we got to do house visits with him. There's four families in the community that he knew really well and he knew that they were in a place of financial need um, to the point where even just bringing them groceries made a huge difference for them because um, they weren't able to afford even that um, and so one of my favorite moments was particularly the first house visit that we did because it was a kid that had been coming to our VBS all week um, and he lived with his grandmother um, and it was just them two, and his grandmother is older, she can't work as much, and so um, it's really hard for them to provide. Um, and so to get to walk into their home with Abraham and see how much he loves his community and how connected he is with them, um, and to get to love on them with him and provide
provide this gift of groceries and um, pray for them was such a sweet blessing for all of us too. And then how did you see God work in Belize this week? So I saw him, I really saw him first and foremost, I think, working amongst our, the, everybody that went on the trip, uh, all the, whether they were going into their senior year of high school or for most of them, um, having just graduated high school seniors. Uh, they just, I just saw, I saw their hearts really, just everyone who came, their hearts really open and they just really embraced these kids and uh, embraced the work that was in front of them and really, I think, loved and were so kind to one another too. And they just really saw God bring the group together and bring such a powerful time of service, but also a time where there was so much joy shared amongst, amongst all of us. Um, it was so cool to see God do that. And I do want to say once again, thank you for all of you who did support that mission. This is one of the reasons uh, we do that, obviously, is, is uh, the impact it makes on those of us who go. Uh, but one of the things we talked about as a team is sometimes you can think, let's just send all of our money down there. We talked about this last week, and that will make a bigger difference. But the, the common thing we hear from the people in Belize is thank you so much that you were present and you were here with us. And you can't get that by just sending money. So thank you for supporting our youth and sending them down there. And uh, no, it wasn't a trip to the Caribbean. It, it wasn't a vacation. They worked very hard, 100 degree heat, building uh, and working and all that. So, uh, but I do want to show you one thing. The thing that um, the students made the video and they left one piece out. And, and so you got to bear with me another 30 seconds because this, this you have to see it. Um, you didn't know you had this skill, but this is with, uh, I didn't know they had this skill, but uh, the youth group in uh, Belize uh, di did a little performance on the last night. They wanted to kind of do this dance for Jesus. And our students uh, joined in. And, and yes, I do have that clip. And you are going to see it. So let's, let's look at some of the skills that they have. Are you ready for that, Mark? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not all in rhythm. All right, well, yeah, give them. I love that some just decide to spin their own way and dance on their own beat, you know? I mean, it's all good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's get started. Pray with me as we start our service here today. God, we thank you so much for this morning, and I pray, Lord, as we look into your word, that you would uh, shape and change and transform our hearts, Lord, that we may uh, hear from you today, and for everyone in here, we have different things that we need to hear. Some need to just be encouraged. Some need to be uh, met in a moment of despair or maybe a moment of, of, uh, of feeling shame. Whatever it is, God, we want to encounter you and let your message uh, convict us but also give us hope. 
and the hope that comes from you. So we thank you and give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to actually start finding your way to Psalm chapter 15. We're going to get there in a moment. But let me ask you a question. Do people in your life know who you really are? If you think of your, your neighbors, coworkers, friends. What version of you do they know? And if you were to ask them, what would they think of, of, of who you are? Would they have an accurate picture or is it a picture that maybe isn't quite always the truth? I was remembering a time when I was in junior high, and, and we lived somewhat close to uh, uh, Six Flags. And in the summer, when you're in junior high, we got season passes to Six Flags, so we'd go there quite often. And I remember one time, uh, Six Flags had these summer concerts, too, that were usually up-and-coming bands, bands that were either up-and-coming or they were long past due. One of the two things. Uh, but I remember one time, and we'd always go to those concerts, but one day, the night before, there was a real concert in town, and it was Bon Jovi. So, you know, some of you know who, if you guys don't know who that is, then either you're too old or too young. But anyway, so, so it was a Bon Jovi concert, and the opening band for Bon Jovi was, at the time, my favorite band. And it, it's a, a classic, just amazing band, Skid Row. I'm sure you all um, know them well. So, but I love Skid Row, and, and so I went to that concert, had a good time. The next morning, uh, my friends and I went to Six Flags, and I was wearing my freshly minted Skid Row t-shirt when we went there. And there happened to be another concert of an up-and-coming band at Six Flags that day. So my friends and I, we went to this concert. I'm wearing my Skid Row shirt, and uh, we met this group of girls. And, and just to say, when you're in junior high and you go to Six Flags, group, groups of guys go, and they try to meet groups of girls, and vice versa. It's not, it's just part of the game. It's just a flirt, and it never, you know, you never see them again, and it was just like, hey, we met some girls. Well, what, okay. Anyway, that, that's, you know, it's the junior high game. You guys know how it goes. So, not anymore, but that's back in the day. And, and so we met this group of, of, of girls, and I was wearing this shirt, and, and as we introduced, as they saw, hey, you're at this concert, for some reason I said, they said, oh, where are you from? Why are you here? And I was like, oh, actually, um, yeah, I'm in town because my brother's the guitarist for Skid Row. <laughs> and um, I'm from New Jersey, and I'm just visiting my friend, and, and he was here. And my friend's hearing this and going like, okay, game time. So he goes, he just kind of goes with the story. And, and so, for <laughs> why do you look so shocked? I was 13. Okay, come on. So, for that day, we kind of went with that story, and, and, and then these girls were like, man, he knows the, the, you know, the guitars, he knows Skid Row, and so we kind of hung out with them for the day. At the end of the day, it's over, we leave, and, and no big deal, never see them again, That's, life goes on. Two weeks later, there's another concert at Six Flags. My friends and I go to it, and we look over, and there's a group of girls <laughs> who saw us, and one girl looks at me, and she's like, you are such a liar. <laughs> It, for, I guess for two weeks, she thought I was this cool, she met some cool guy from New Jersey. But in that moment, she realized, oh, you're a liar the whole time you're lying. Now, again, we were pretty mature. We're like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> Life moved on. But it's so easy to sometimes, I was thinking back of that story and how easy it is to create a narrative or a story about you that sometimes isn't true. Now, that's an extreme example, obviously, and it's not one that I could carry on very long. Uh, but we're talking about today is in the summer we've been through this series called the path of life and we're studying what we call the ten commandments and the ten commandments one thing to, to remember is they're not about this list of rules that somehow earn our way to god and it's not a list of rules that somehow make us acceptable 
But it was this covenant that was because God called people to be his own. He said, this is what life in my kingdom looks like. And so even as Christians today, for those of us who are following Christ, it would be the same. Jesus has already forgiven us. He's already welcomed us into his kingdom if we accept it. But then what does it look like to live in that kingdom? And that's what we're looking at. It's not rules to make us acceptable to God, but because we have been accepted by God, how do we live in that kingdom? And today we're looking at the ninth, what we call the ninth command. And yes, we have been going a little bit out of order. But this one is very simply this. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, on a real, the actual interpretation of this, this is legal language that's actually talking about in a, a, a legal setting, don't lie in a way that then will hurt someone else, or don't lie that will, in a way that will somehow elevate yourself above others. That's the heart of it. Now, if it's just, excuse me, just that, we probably could end our time here today, right? Could say, hey guys, don't give false testimony against each other, let's pray and go home. But we want to ask, what is the heart behind this? Because Really, at this, what God is talking about is being people who are truthful in the kingdom of God. And what does it mean to be truthful, and why does that even matter? And yes, we're talking about everything. We, most of us would say, well, I try to be truthful most of the time, right? And then there's white lies. Where does that fit? White lies. Sometimes you go, well, that white lies aren't really lies. That's kind of protecting the other person. Or sometimes we say, one comedian said this, if, if you repeat the word twice, it somehow makes it better. Like, well, okay, I was lying, but I wasn't lying, lying. As <laughs> somehow that makes it better. And, and sometimes we look at that like, well, okay, I lie sometimes, but I don't like lie, lie. But what is, is that being in the kingdom of God? Is that the heart or the character of God? What does it mean for us? Check out this in Proverbs chapter 12. It says this, the Lord detests lying lips but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in people who are trustworthy. And so in the kingdom of God, what God delights in is people who are trustworthy. And really what I'd say is the overarching principle for today is, is wrapped up in one word. And the word for today is this. In the kingdom of God, it's are we people with integrity? Integrity. See, the word integrity is this word that's related to the word integrated. And what it actually means is that our lives are not divided in different slices. That we have our Sunday morning person, and then we have our Monday morning person, and then we have our Monday at 5 p.m. person, and then we have our Friday night at 7 p.m. person, and our life is kind of segmented, and we're a little bit different in each one. Now, of course we're going to act a little bit different when with our family than with our uh, friends or at work, but... Is our life so separated that you're different people? Or do you have integrity in that the same principles guide you Monday morning at 9 as they do Sunday morning at 9? Integrity is, if our life is in Christ, is Jesus the overarching principle or the guiding force in our lives that we have integrity that when we're with our friends on Friday night and at work on Monday morning or here on Sunday, that we're the same. And so that's what we want to look at today is integrity. I heard this story about this uh, home builder, and he was known in his community as, as this fantastic home builder. 
and, and, and always built to the highest quality. Every home that he built, he used utmost integrity, never cut corners, built these homes perfe- perfectly, and did it for uh, his whole career. And he worked for a developer who always knew when I needed a custom built, a really high quality home, I hire him. So for, for decades, this home builder built for this uh, developer. And when he kind of got to the end, the home builder said, listen, I'm going to retire. I have two more homes I'm going to build. He built, he built one of them, and he says, okay, I have one more home, then I'm retiring. He built that one, got to the end, and said, I've been telling you for all these years I'm retiring. I'm done. Here's my last home. No more. The developer went to the builder and said, hey, I know you said you were going to retire, but I want to ask you, would you just build one more home for me? Uh, you've been so good for all these decades. You've been so perfect in everything you do. You had so much integrity. Would you please just build one more? So the builder said, fine, I'll build one more. But his heart wasn't in it. And for the first time in his career, he cut corners. He saw this lot. It was this beautiful lot overlooking the ocean, a big house, started building it, but his heart wasn't in it. They cut corners, cut costs, and he knew that whoever gets this home is going to have issues. There's going to be problems. But he's, he just said, but I was going to retire. I didn't mean to do this. So he builds a house. He finishes it. In his heart, he knew that this wasn't his standard, his quality. But he goes to his developer and says, here you go. The house is done. Enjoy. I'm now retired. And the, build, and the developer said, thank you so much. I knew you didn't want to do one more. But uh, thank you for doing that. And by the way, because you've been faithful to us for all these years, we want to do something for you. I'm going to give you a gift, and here's the keys to the home you just built. <laughs> See, when we think of integrity, we are building a home in our lives that we're going to live in. And how we live our lives is a home that we are going to have to deal with. Just as that builder then had to live in this home that he built, so we do the same. That's why integrity is so much at the heart of who God is and who we should be in his kingdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. It says this, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Something about being duplicitous and, and, and being a different person in different situations ultimately destroys you. Ultimately, it tears you down. So even in Proverbs, it says, your integrity is a thing that will be the building blocks that will build you and guide you throughout your life. So I have a few thoughts for you, and I want, for this, let's turn to Psalm chapter 15. Because in Psalm chapter 15, we see the heart and the character of God as, as it relates to the person who's living in the kingdom. And, and, and so Psalm chapter 15, we're going to read through it, and I'm going to point out a few things for you. First thing says this, in Psalm 15, it says, Lord, who may reside in your tent? Who may settle on your holy hill? This is really the question here is, God, who may dwell with you? What does it look like to live in your kingdom? That's the question that this person's asking. If I'm to be in the kingdom of God, what does that look like? And then he goes on. He says, one who walks with integrity, who practices righteousness, and who speaks truth in his heart. So it starts off in one who walks in integrity, one who is not different person in different situations, who's always guided by their heart for God 
who practices righteousness. This is that idea of that, that you have right relationships with God and with others. So when we practice righteousness, it actually has to do with, are we living our lives in a way that is going to build those relationships and enhance those relationships with God and with others, and who speaks truth in his heart? Not giving in to lies or deceit or even dwelling on things that are untrue. And we find here that integrity is a building block for character. It's the first thing we think about for today. Integrity is a building block for your character. Everything that we're about to read in Psalm 15 starts with a heart of integrity. Saying, I want my life to be consistent and to be wrapped up in your kingdom, God. Let's look at verses 3 through, uh, and following. It says this, That person does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor brings shame on his friend. A despicable person is despised in his eyes, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He takes an oath even to his de own detriment and does not change. I like how the NIV actually says that last one. It says this, Ke He keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind. So the first thing, if we looked at that, if we said that integrity is a building block of character, it, it demonstrating really that God is enough, that your relationship in the kingdom is enough to build your life on. It doesn't have to be a, a facade of who you are. The second thing that we see that integrity leads to is integrity allows you to bless others. Notice these verses. You do not slander with your tongue, nor do evil to your neighbor, nor bring shame on your friend. See, a person who walks with an integrity, it, it, integrity actually allows you to be a blessing to others because you're not trying to put up a false front of who you are. There's no need to somehow say, I need to make sure that I look just a little bit better than everyone else. I don't even need to be the brother of the guitarist to one of the greatest American bands ever to make myself better, to make myself significant. Actually, I can now live being confident in who I am in the kingdom of God, and it allows me now to be a blessing. Check out those things. Do not, does not slander with his tongue. When I look around, that feels like one of the most toxic things that we see so prevalent now, isn't it? Just our politicians are great at this one, slandering with their tongue. How can we somehow take other people and tear them down and it, it has nothing to do with building yourself up. It's if others can just look a little worse, then I look a little better. But with integrity, that's not even in your mindset. Nor do, it does evil to your neighbor. There's no need to see anyone as your enemy in that case. And by the way, remember, all of these commands and the Ten Commandments are interrelated. They're not, we don't pick and choose which ones we want. Don't do evil to your neighbor. If you look at the commands, most of them are related to that. Nor bring shame on your friends. Man, I think of so many times I look back at my past. And some of your friends, and maybe it's just because we're joking around. Or maybe it's a situation in which you kind of have to backstab someone. Especially growing up, man, there was such a culture of, it was okay to bring shame on your friend as long as you got out okay. That's not the person who's walking with integrity. And then, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. keeps an oath even when it hurts. What does that look like in your life? 
I remember after I became a Christian and uh, I, I made it into college, and I had a statistics class, and I was at a community college, and I had statistics, which if you know me, um, I, math, I, I did well in math, but it's like, what's the point? You have a calculator and accountants, so I, that's not me, so I don't need it. But it was one of the uh, requirements that we needed to, to uh, do, so I had statistics, and, and the teacher used to assign our, our weekly quizzes or something, or tests, and said, these are take-home. And all you have to do is the very first question on it was sign your name to say that you did not cheat. And so you'd sign your name on the top, and then you'd take the test. And I signed my name on it, and then I'd show, and I took the test, and, and uh, statistically, I think I got more than half right. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, but I, I, I would take these tests, and, and I'd walk in, and I remember walking in, usually on Monday, because they'd give it to us on the weekend, and I'd walk in, and I'd see the whole class sitting there, huddled by each other, looking on each other's papers, making sure they all got the same score. And the temptation was to say, well, everybody else is doing this. And every week I had this temptation and this test of integrity of if you put your name to this, will you trust the results? And to walk by them and to every week think, oh, that would be so much easier. But can you keep an oath even when it hurts? And trust me, me and math, it hurt. <laughs> and it was a test weekly. Now, I wish that in every area of my life I easily passed that test. But we run into things like that all the time. But a person of integrity will keep the oath even when it hurts, even when it isn't for your gain. And notice all of these things when are all wrapped up in when we present a fake version of ourselves, often others get caught up in the wake. They get caught up, they get damaged by the wake of your falsehood. In this case, maybe my classmates messed up the, the curve for me, which I passed the class. I did fine. I did okay. <laughs> but a person of integrity allows us to be a blessing to others. Let's look at the last stanza here of Psalm chapter 15. It ends with this. One who does these things will never be shaken. I love how that ends because we find our third point here today. Integrity allows you to live, a li to live life unshaken. Integrity allows you to live life unshaken. Maybe some of you uh, grew up and you, you heard your parents or maybe you said this to your own kids that say, hey, always tell the truth because if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Has anyone ever has heard that or said that? It's actually, that, that's so true. You don't have to remember, wait, that group of girls, was I the, the, the brother of the guy from Skid Row, or was I the son of that guy? I can't remember what story I told. But if you live with integrity, you live your life unshaken. You live your life unshaken. Greg Groeschel, he's a pastor and writer, said it this way. When you have integrity, nothing else matters. And when you don't have integrity, nothing else because all of a sudden one with integrity you don't have to worry about everything else but if you don't have integrity that's just who you are nothing else matters either it's a selfish way of living or it's this way of, of living in the kingdom of God with integrity you live your life un, 
shaking. So the question for us is, are we willing to sacrifice who we are by losing our integrity? Let me ask you another question. What is the cost or the price of your integrity here today? How much does your integrity cost? How much would you sacrifice for your integrity? Tests that we often have. I'm going to show you an image, and this, this was... When I first became a Christian, this was a test of my integrity, and I want to show you. Here's a picture right here. This is a test of my integrity. Now, young people, this is, this is called, we used to call this a boom box. Anyone with me? And this is actually, I never had, like, this is the deluxe version, because those speakers, you could separate them. Not only could you walk around and, and look cool, but you could separate them when you got to your room. Now, this is also a, a deluxe version, because notice... It has two tape decks. Tape decks are, uh, they used to play music, just so you guys know. And if you had two tape decks, that means one of them had an extra button on it. And the extra button was a record button. And, and, and so what you could do with this was fantastic, is your friends could buy a new tape, cassette tape, for $9.99 at Target. And, and you could take that and say, hey, I got the new skid row tape and then you'd bring it over to your friend's house they're like oh i want that tape too you'd pop it in and then you put in your memorex uh blank tape some of you are like we're just nostalgic right now right you hit play on one and you hit record on the other now and again this is the updated version before this you only had one and you had to wait until the radio played the song you wanted to hear that was like that was original right so but and I'm not even talking about reel to reel. Okay, some of you are like, well, actually, Ryan, no, but this is my era. So you'd record the tape, and then you'd have your, you'd have your brand new tape for free or for 50 cents or whatever it cost you for the blank tape. And, and so I amassed a pretty good collection among our friends. You know, the rich friends would buy, and then they eventually got to CDs, and that was the next level. But, but they would buy the newest thing, and everyone would record it, and you'd all have the same music. And the artists made... $9.99, or probably made like nine cents <laughs> off the sale, and 20 of us got the music. But inside all these cassette tapes, it said, do not, or it's a violation of the copyright laws to copy this. And most of us went, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Don't care. Then I became a Christian, and I met a group of friends, and uh, they were introducing me to this whole new style of music, which some of it I am still ashamed of today that I actually started liking it, but um, it was like 1990s Christian music. Some of it was good, but let's be honest. <laughs> anyway, and, and I, they would let me borrow the tapes to listen to them, but they said, hey, you can borrow these, but you cannot record them. It's the first time in my life I ever heard that. I was like, wait, why? Why can't I record them? because you're stealing from the artist and because it says don't record them so you can borrow it but you got to promise you'll never record those and it was the beginning of this big dilemma for me like well they'll never know if I record it or I don't have the money to buy this new striper tape <laughs> told you <laughs> embarrassing okay but the question there was what is the cost of your integrity you told them you weren't going to do it so how much does your integrity cost? Is your integrity worth $9.99? You're willing to compromise who you are for $9.99? Now, our young people, now we have Spotify. You don't, have, you don't struggle with this, do you? 
Except for, do you pay for Spotify or do you log into your friend's Spotify account? Do you pay for Netflix? Or is there like 20 of you on the same family plan? Oops, did I get a little too personal all of a sudden? Is your integrity worth $12.99 a month? Did you say you wouldn't do it, but you do it anyway? See, most of us, where, where integrity gets difficult is on those little things. Most of, us, most of us, it's not like, yeah, I stole this car. It's so cool. The dealership leaves the, car, the keys in it during the day. I took it. I think none of us really struggle with that. But the $12.99 a month, that's the hard one, isn't it? That's the hard one. I ordered a Sprite from McDonald's, and I went to, to serve my own Sprite. And I mean, I said I had water, but then I went, well, maybe this is a little Sprite instead of water. I know none of our students have ever done that. Is your integrity worth a dollar? See, that's, this is tough stuff. But I lo- what I love is he who does these things will never be shaken. You don't have to think, oh no, here comes the manager who's coming over, and they, what if they know that in my water cup there's Sprite? <laughs> is that worth your integrity? He who walks in integrity will never be shaken. You don't have to remember these things. I remember also, uh, for a while, I was working in retail management and uh, managing um, some stores, uh, coffee stores. Yes, Starbucks. And we had this thing called customer service uh, or customer feedback uh, surveys. And they were randomly generated ever so many customers. And what I learned was there was a, pr- a common practice that what people in the store would do is every time one of those surveys would pop out, they would just take it and set it aside and wait till they got either two things. One, they would take a stack of surveys and go like, oh, I got to fill out these customer surveys to up, up my scores. <laughs> or they would say, oh, here's my favorite customer. Hey, I have a survey for you. And these surveys came at, with the cost of a free drink. So you could come back in with like, I'll have an eight-shot cappuccino, you know, uh, that would cost like 25 bucks. And, and so it was, it was an easy thing to say like, hey, you can get a free drink if you fill out the survey and give us a good score. And that was the common practice that people would do. And as a ma- as if you're in management, uh, your scores would actually have a financial benefit. You could actually, your bonus was p- wrapped up in this. So it could be the difference between thousands of dollars per quarter if your scores were too low. And so it was common practice to cheat. And, and when I first took over this one store that was a mess, I remember going in there and I saw them doing it and I just always went like, well, whatever. Kind of ignored it. And then one day we got this little email from corporate that said, hey, we noticed that a lot of stores are cheating. So we're tracking the IP, the IP addresses of everyone doing the surveys. Now, I don't know if that's true that they actually could do that for, you know, 20,000 stores that they really cared but there was a question I then had that maybe that's not true, but do I really want this? Like, it was a check on my integrity. To go back to, and I had this moment of, oh no, I bet our store is so busted. <laughs> and it was a challenge to go to the team and say, hey, we're not doing it this way anymore. We have to do it the right way. And live with the consequences. And that is not an easy thing to do. But ultimately, you live unshaken when I can look at my regional manager or whatever and say, hey, 
it is what it is. I know we're not cheating. Living life unshaken. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this. I have it on the screen for you. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to invite the worship team to start making their way up, but I want us to land on this verse. See, for us, really, this walking with Jesus is this constant, constant practice of saying, God, search my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any anxious way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, search my heart and find those areas in my life that I haven't surrendered to you. Find those areas in my life where I think are, are, are not that big of a deal, but maybe what they're doing is actually making me look like a hypocrite. And what's the number one argument against Christianity in this world? Or probably one of the highest. It's, oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. So God, search me and test me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a great prayer for each one of us here in this place today. I want to challenge you with that prayer. But now, let me leave you with some hope. Because hearing this today, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm good, because this is important to me. And some of you are thinking, oh, why did I come today? When was the do not murder week? I can do that one. Why did I have to do this week? And maybe right now you're feeling a weight of guilt and shame and failure. Maybe you're looking down at your phone and saying, oh, I don't pay for any of these subscriptions. And you're wrestling internally with what to do with it. Let me remind you that at the cross of Jesus, there's room for you. And we don't want you to leave here feeling burdened. We want you to leave here feeling freedom. Freedom that comes from Christ who says, I can take all of that. And even if you're walking in integrity now, there's going to be days when you compromise. And our God can take it. He can take it as his own. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, I love this. It says this, don't lie to one another. Okay. But since you have taken off the old self and its practices. So you are a new creation no longer have to walk as, as a facade of who you are. That's the old you. But there's a new self. The reality, if you are in Christ, even if you struggle with some of the things we talked about today, you are a new self. You are a new creation. The old is gone. So let's rest in the fact that we are new, but allow God to transform and change us and chip away those areas of our lives where we're still putting up a facade, where we're still lying to ourselves and others. But don't leave here thinking that Jesus can't handle you. He can, and he wants to. So we're going to end our time with a song, and I want to challenge you. Would you stand with me as we end? And if God's maybe really convicting you today, or maybe just encouraging your heart today, whatever, wherever you're at, would we just be people who can remember right now that above all of this is our God is still on his throne. And his love for you is not separated by your actions. And the forgiveness of the cross of Christ is bigger than all of your compromise. So let's just remember that truth, proclaim that truth, 
and rejoice in who God is today. So pray with me. God, we thank you that, Lord, you're above all these things in our lives. And, Lord, I pray for this morning for anyone maybe who's been wandering from you that maybe today you're inviting them back. Maybe for someone who's here today who's been compromising and and walking away from your kingdom, God, would you just encourage their hearts that there's room, there's forgiveness, there's love, and that, Lord, life in your kingdom is a life unshaken. Would you welcome them back? God, we just give you this time and thank you that there's forgiveness and love and grace at your cross, and it's so much greater than our failure. So we turn our praise to you as we end our time, Lord Jesus, in your name.